Hola, campers. Hablas Espanol. It's World History Week, and today we're taking a trip to Old World Spain. We're going back to the late 1930s, to the bloody, hard-fought Spanish Civil War. A war that tore the country apart. A war that U.S. Ambassador Claude Barrows once described as a dress rehearsal for World War II. Wow, isn't that fun? History is magic. And terrible. Well, kids, you can thank groundskeeper Hasinthu for his hard work in decorating the camp in today's war theme. Note the very large unexploded bomb in the courtyard. It's still ticking. Muy authentico. One urgent and surprisingly specific note from Hasintu. Please do not go into the basement of the main cabin. It's flooded and slightly haunted. Wait, again? Hola, bienvenidos a uh, Bunk 237. I'm sorry I keep forgetting up the numbers. I keep forgetting. <laughs> uh, anyways, hello. My name is Tu Yet, and this is Bunk 237. Um, this is me and Robin's fictional day camp. Sometimes night camp, I guess. It's kind of the day right now uh, where we hang out. I think it's a sleepaway camp. Oh, yeah. it is probably, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a place where we get together and talk horror movies like the fucking girlfriends that we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your co-host, Robin, and our guest camper today is Pilar Duraldi. She is a production coordinator by day and a writer by night, and... I believe you're also working on a short film. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm in post-production for Mathilde, who is obsessed with Christmas and generally writing things and knitting things, you know? Oh, love it. That's awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. My uh, my carpool number actually in elementary school is 237. Really? Yeah, wow. Who was meant to be? Spooky vibes. I'm going to learn those numbers eventually. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, today's movie, and all, the reason I keep fucking up Spanish, is that we are watching The Devil's Backbone, 2001, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it is uh, set in 1939. We are three years into the Spanish Civil War, unbeknownst to the characters of course this is the final year of the war um we are in a remote part of spain at a boys orphanage population is like 25 people (laughs) mostly mostly young boys uh definitely more boys than adults and definitely one ghost (laughs) uh and the story unfolds at first at first that's true at first Every ghost counts. Every every entity counts in this town. <laughs> Which feels like this feels like a, there's like a lot of entities is like the thing, right? Because I think this is more of a gothic ghost story than a horror movie, right? Uh, which, I mean, honestly, first question, what is, what's the evil here? This is open to anyone. Like, because I, I think we know that ghosts aren't like the big bad monster in this one, right? I honestly think that the big bad is greed because the person who is inflicting the violence is after the gold and anything that gets in the way is subject to violence. And if you're thinking of this as 
you know, what rushes in fascism in Spain, <laughs> hopefully, you know, not like what we're going through right now. But that's, I think, the, the evil. And because even the bomb that's supposed to be alive is dropped from planes in the war. Um, so I think that that's really the, uh, what is holding over what could be this very peaceful, idyllic situation. I love the bomb. Did that guys remind, did that remind you of like Magnolia? <laughs> you love the bomb. I loved the bomb. I love the bomb. Loved it. Was it was the bomb. <laughs> Someone had to there was... just get it out. <laughs> There's, uh, there was something, I mean, I think that a lot of this movie is, is very, it's very poetic. It's very beautiful and very poetic. And like the, the thing that I like about the bomb <laughs> is that for me, it was like a little bit of a telltale heart kind of object for me, that it was like this inanimate object that was like ticking. It was in there. It was also like a very, I think uh, a lot of sort of Edgar Allan Poe influence of like kind of dark goth shit <laughs> and um yeah and i like that very it was bright spain <laughs> yeah totally yeah so dreary like the color tones were so like uh so warm and muted but like kind of beautiful you know um fashions were excellent and it's like i hate to say that because it's like i know you're like post like romanticizing you know civil war times but like dang cool outfits right it's nice <laughs> to look good anytime <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but it's like, I do feel like the, the idea of uh, sort of everything was a little evil. And maybe that's sort of the multitude of the movie and Guillermo del Toro is like, everything's a little good and everything's all evil, you know? Because the bomb that like didn't go off, but was ticking, but was this sort of, I don't know, this like great analogy, like a real big physical thing that happened on the day that this boy died. Um and that everyone was kind of in limbo. I think that was like the theme of everything, right? Was like the bombs in limbo, the boys are in limbo, the war is in limbo, like the f- f- fetuses in like rum are in definite limbo. Yeah. Ghosts right. in limbo. Um, mm-hmm. But I did have a whole, I was trying to think so hard because like, you know, usually in ghost stories, it's, uh, you know, you're trying to purge the ghost. And I think this mm-hmm. leans so much harder on the fantasy element where monsters and ghosts and these entities are part of the natural world versus something that you need to purge from it. And I think that's a big sort of Guillermo del Toro thing. Yes, totally. And I think part of the way that he shows that is by not... Um, he does do, do, do jump scares occasionally, but he just flat out shows you like the, the ghost boy's face had like a full on you know moment on screen and he didn't cut away and it wasn't like this like scary other thing it was just sort of he was San, Santi or whatever it was just like sort of part of the landscape and showed up when he needed to show up and um at, you know at first the little Carlos and the, and the other boys would run away from him obviously because they were scared but eventually they sort of realized what he needed from them and that he wasn't scary and it was all yeah yeah it was like these are kids who are friends and they're in it together and it could have been any of them in theory and so 
you know, because they set it up as, oh, he's sleeping in his bed. And immediately you're like, oh, I know where this is going to go. We're going to have some sheets be ripped or something. Right. But I, I think it's kind of nice that there is this protective element. And that, I mean, just the whole, like, building of the teamwork between the boys and how they how they mend their bridge and how they work through fear is so sweet. <laughs> I, I it's it really, really <laughs> <laughs> but it's also brutal. Like just what those boys had to go through was so right. brutal and their lives were so brutal. Right. I mean, uh, that's even how like, that's they like part of the horror other. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Where they can't even just be friends. There kind of has to be almost like a hostility to the new kid. And especially because he came from, a better situation and then it's almost like he has to not rat them out and you know kind of take a bit of a beating for it to be okay which is a sad thing but then it's so tender on the other side yeah I love the boy bond the sort of like these these boys that are you know bonded through a shared trauma of being orphans being abandoned being left behind whatever situation brought them there to this like remote part of Spain um and I love the sort of Lord of the Flies aspect of it towards the end. Um, but also that like in the, but they all still, even if even the sort of infighting or the sort of hazing, the stuff they have to go through, they like still, I think there's still an understanding of them. That's like, we're it. There's no one else. There's no one coming. There's no one around. All the grownups die. Like <laughs> right. all, every grownup dies. And, but they come together so quickly and I like that Carlos, like, didn't snitch, <laughs> like, never yeah. even had a chance, like, was never going to and just never, ever did. Um, and that relationship between those boys, I think, is so precious in this yeah. movie. And even the ghost boy was just trying to help out. <laughs> like, he was exactly. just trying to help also, out. Yeah, it also, to me, felt earned. Like, a lot of times when you have, like, a bully and a you know bullied kid and they like come together in the end it feels like there were two wildly disparate characters who should not have you know made that piece but this seemed I mean for lack of a better term realistic even though there were ghosts and stuff um but their dynamic I thought was um more interesting than like a general bully yeah I really I really loved the character of Jaime the sort of like meaner older boy that was also Mm, just smoking little ciggies the whole time (laughs) and always didn't wear an undershirt man of the group yeah and I like I love that dynamic because he's also obviously still like younger than Jacinto who like Mm, right what was the actual bully but even him like you felt bad for him you know you kind of understood that he had a rough life you know that he also like probably at an age during this war understood the civil war a little more than young boys did you know because young boys are just like you know when you're young and you're in an orphanage maybe that's all you know but I think Jacinto had been there a, a lot longer so it was a little more jaded you could feel so much empathy for him, even though he was a, a terrible, real piece of shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. But he's kind of a piece of shit a lot because of the money component and just what it is to be in this rural space and and how they made their money off of the baby room. Oh, yeah. And just like, that is sinister. And then they're going into town and they're killing people in the town square. And so you see why he would have that uh survival instinct 
Yeah. Can we talk about this baby rum? <laughs> It was like that scene. I like. I wrote what the what the fuck with the baby juice. <laughs> I right, that I was, was like, my note. <laughs> my note was broken baby rum. I was like, is this the Antichrist rum? Because a devil's backbone and the baby has you see the spine. So I was like, yeah. is this going to be now a potion horror movie? Are we going to see like <laughs> this be a part of it? You know, yeah. I think he sets up so many could be evils like. Oh, here's the lady with one leg. Like, who knows? She might be the really strict right. headmistress. Here's the ghost. Here's the baby juice, you know? And then those are not the big bads. Totally. Yeah. And it was, and all of this, like, right up front in the beginning, you know what they say about, like, the first act? It was like, if 10 minutes, ghost, gun, bomb, peg leg lady. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. I was surprised that the ghost showed up right away. I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be more of a slow burn. I mean, I think that's where you kind of get confused. You think, well, then are we going to have the ghost moments? Or then what does the ghost lead to? If we already know, like, there he is with a head injury, we're going to learn about that soon. You know, because that's the other thing is it's usually like end of the second act. Like, here is the history now. We're going to catch you up on all the spooky stuff. And then it's all going to happen. I think that's a very, it's a very Guillermo del Toro thing to like, not hide his hand but it also I think um made you question whether like Pilar said the ghost was the scary thing you know like whether he was going to be the evil or not because all of a sudden like he's sort of having this (laughs) game of tag with Carlos where they're like (laughs) trying to find you know he's trying to find him at night and he's he gets less and less scared of him over time yeah Um, which is interesting because I feel like that was also his relationship with like Jaime, right? In the beginning where it was like he was a bully, but then he became friends with him. And then like with uh, Santi the ghost, he was a bully, but then he became friends with the ghost. And then the interesting sort of, I like that you called it a game of tag because it is sort of like how they bonded was that like they kept running into each other in the hallway. <laughs> but uh, there is something kind of about that kind of playfulness now that you say that, that it does feel like, oh, that is was kind of part of this growth between the two of them. I did also notice that scene when when he is running down the hallway, it reminded me of like, you know when you psych yourself out, um, like going to take out the trash and you run back to yeah. the house or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt that same scare when he was running down the hallway. I was like, oh, I know that feeling. And now I know y- you should run from ghosts like that. <laughs> it works. They can't go through doors is what I learned from this movie. They're kind of just like humans, you know? then there was there was also that line i forget exactly what point in the movie it was where the ghost says many of you will die and you're like okay (laughs) is that the ghost (laughs) killing people or is it it's like phrased weirdly and you're like is this a warning is this a threat is the ghost (laughs) this scary i think it's moments like that where the pacing earlier on and with the ghost specifically feels a little muddled where and it ends up all paying off but at first you're just kind of like well yeah what's gonna happen and then you think that there's going to be a killing spree or, or that things will start happening to the boys and it doesn't and then you're floating a little and then it kind of like takes you to a different stream yeah totally my big question at the beginning when, you know, they show flashes from the the night that Santi died. And in my mind, I was like, it was connected to the war and the bomb and, you know, attacks on the on the orphanage. 
And I don't know about you guys, but like when it was finally revealed that uh, Jacinto actually killed him, I was like, oh, <laughs> of course. Like, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. But I was so surprised because I wasn't thinking of like, you know, I was thinking of the ghost being this. I mean, I guess he sort of was out for revenge, but <laughs> um, oh, this he was more... definitely out for revenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, right. "Bring me With the head of that reason. boy." <laughs> As they sort of re- revealed more of of Jacinto, even though in the beginning, when he like when he showed up, I was like, "Hello, <laughs> hello, oh handsome." My God, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, those are nice suspenders. (laughs) I know. He was like, man, what a, okay, what a handsome man. What a, just like, just Mm -hmm. painfully handsome man. Who is the worst character in Estopia? And his, uh, I think her name is Conchita, the the teacher, is like so pure and so wonderful. So wonderful. And you're like, if they're together, he must be fine. (laughs) Totally, yeah. And then he's he's, like sleeping when uh, when it's revealed that he's like sleeping uh, with Carmen. Yeah. I had feelings about that because on the one hand, I'm like, hell yeah, Yeah. Carmen. On the other hand, I'm like... (laughs) This is, this seems like inappropriate, not because of the age, but because of their relationship. You know what I mean? He's with another woman. <laughs> yeah. It's totally not appropriate. It's not appropriate. But then also, he was like really naked. <laughs> yeah. It was just he like. He sure was. <laughs> Again. Yeah, that was a confusing scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, I like this. I don't like this. Like, I want it, but I don't want it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that's the theme of the movie is that there are two sides to every coin and it's constantly grappling with good and evil, naked, not naked. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's like doing it for the key. So I guess he is bringing home something for his lady. He's making hard sacrifices, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It is. uh, But as his character is revealed and he sort of becomes more deceitful and greedy and once you sort of figure out what his, like, motive is, I didn't predict that he was the one that killed Santi, but I did start to suspect that Santi's death was, like, a little more recent and a little more, like, not supernatural and something really kind of basic. I For a second, I kind of, I thought that maybe Jaime, like, knew, you know, because I think they were kind of yeah pushing towards that, that there were, like, kind of multiple bullies, and I thought, I was like, oh, maybe Jaime did it. But then Jaime also just seemed too good, even though he was, like, There was something about him that just seemed too good to do that, you know? Like, he was starting to build that sort of hard shell around him as a youth, um, but I don't think he had gotten to the point of, like, Jacinto yet. And I wonder if that's an interesting thing to show sort of different stages of, like, how the world can affect you in life, like, through the boys' ages and through their personalities, you know? Um, How much a war can really affect you and there's so much like allegory about wartime even like the young boys kind of playing at war with like when they all like sharpen their sticks which also is very resourceful but I'm like how much time is passing right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were ready they the broken glass I thought that was so smart that moment when the boy is climbing out the window and Jaime picks the glass out so he doesn't get hurt Oh, just precious. <laughs> this is probably the cutest movie we've watched so far. <laughs> yes, on a, absolutely. 
absolutely. On a scale of no cuteness to super cuteness, absolutely the cutest horror movie we have watched. (laughs) The dialogue, which is interesting. So, Pilar, maybe you can speak to this a little more, but, like, it was such flowery language from the doctor all the time, but also, like, which was very cool. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of like an old, like, caballero, you know? He's like a gentleman of this age. Like, I was obsessed with the embroidered handkerchief. Um, I, I, I think he just, like that old school approach it was very on purpose and I I loved that yeah he was quite a character I liked a real specific line of dialogue of his when he after the bomb explosion the doctor is hurt but he knows that his is going to come back and he goes up to the little perch to look out the window with the gun and then Mm -hmm. he has the boys bring him his records and his music so that he can like have some tunes to listen to while he like waits (laughs) to kill a dude I love that so much. There was something such a small, weird moment. I also tried to picture the boys like carrying that big phonograph <laughs> player. I kind of thought him bringing the music up was almost more of a way to like show that he wasn't scared and to not hide from afar because him being in the window implies that he's going to be hiding and shooting down and killing but it's almost like he's announcing himself too like i am here with my music you see me it was kind of <laughs> like a western it was yes similarly to that what i was gonna say is like it's sort of like a subverting of the, the expectations for his character he's sort of built up as this like very romantic bookish doctor dude and now he's like nope i'm gonna go shoot some people at <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> the top of the building i love that and also how i loved that he like declared before his death like I will not leave you boys like I will like I am the last surviving grown-up at this point and I will be there to take care of you boys and then I like the subtle filmmaking of to show his death was to show the little flies start like buzzing around and you knew like you knew you saw like the first two flies and you you knew you knew but Um, then you doubt when the door opens later and they're like it was the doctor you're like so Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had that I had that same moment where I was like wait is he wait so he's not dead he's cool and then it was like oh no he's dead he's just I guess a really active ghost like real quick I mean there's also that he he ends up being the narrator right yeah and there are those that I think it's what is a ghost is the question and it's all these things and you know ghosts are alive basically is what the answer is right like ghosts are are they're out here right they're out here helping people open doors (laughs) their memories they're you know they're ticking time bombs they're people um, you know, losing themselves in greed, like a ghost is everything, basically, right? I agree with you so hard. <laughs> like so hard. This movie is the one, the most precious, cutest movie we've ever watched, and it is two, the most ghostly of ghost stories <laughs> where every single thing is a ghost. <laughs> and I feel like countryside Spain is pretty superstitious and like there is so much wind and that kind of goes into it. Um, so I liked that element too. Something I did want to bring up that 
this is just my own connecting and zooming out, is that the headmistress actress, she was in uh, All About My Mother, an Almodovar movie, and in that she is named Uma, which means smoke, and then she in this movie dies in smoke. So I just had like wow. a... Wow. <gasps> Ooh, you know, that's interesting. That. That's a good moment. Watching it with the subtitles, the ghost boy was referred to as the the one what do they call him the one who sighs is that what it said for you and which seems like an interesting translation to me is that how you are, I know you told me that you watched a bootlegged copy without subtitles yeah I watched one without <laughs> subtitles so I I'm not I don't really remember what they were referring to him as but I was listening closely it's interesting to me that he goes by Santi because I'm assuming that's Santiago wouldn't you want to go by Iago? <laughs> or even just full Santi? I don't know. Santi is just a little awkward to me, but that's just me hating on ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many sort of parallel things, right? Like a uh, broken baby from dead boy in the cistern, uh, sort of how... He thought, uh, or Jacinto thought the gold was going to free him, but it actually weighed him down. Mm-hmm. Um, storytelling is easy, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, can we talk about the gold being in the leg? I thought that was so piratey. I was into it. It was so good. We got, we have to talk about Carmen, because she, yeah. you know, she is sort of depicted at the outset as just like the stern headmistress. And then very quickly, you realize she's like super badass. Super badass. <laughs> yeah. Love She's her. got sweet digs for this yeah. middle of nowhere, you know? I was <laughs> yeah. very charmed by her space. Yeah, she really carved a, out a little uh, corner of the world for herself. Well, then when you find out that the gold was in the leg and she was talking about how heavy it was, you're like, girl, you've given it away. Yeah. Looking back, I was like, girl, <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> we talk about the fiance the uh, what is her name oh the little uh, what was it a cigar wrapper that was the ring yeah a cigar wrapper it's like he's trying to be a man (laughs) it's also when you realize that he knows about Jacinto killing Santi and then you go back and you think about him watching them together and and him with her and you think that it's just like a little boy being kind of like gross. <laughs> you realize that he's just trying to protect her from this evil man. Exactly. And it becomes so much sweeter. When he gave, uh, yeah, when he gave Cochita that, uh, the cigar ring, oh, so sweet. And that, that's such a small character thing that I loved when he turned it to her mm-hmm. like that, you know? Without knowing Jaime's story at that point, you're just like, oh, he has a crush. That's yeah. so cute, exactly. you know? Yeah. I like that she also holds out for the kids. She does not have much time to process that her fiancé really is a monster. Right. And to think of, like, how, I mean, again, being that desolate, how he must have been her world and how she had hopes. So for her to, like, defend the kids in that way was really... Special and I like that, of course, when she stands up to Jacinto um, and she won't ba- and like she ends up getting killed for that. And I do like how like she knew right away, like after after the explosion, she was like, no one's going to hear us. No one's going to come. We're like at 
we're in wartime. No one cares about us. I'm going to walk through the night to get to the town at noon. At noon the next day. In espadrilles. In espadrilles. And just knowing she, but just like her resolve to be like, I have to go do yeah, this. It was it was a good villain moment too, where he's like, Because I'm in front of my friends, like say say you're sorry. It oh, was right? just like yeah, that oh, is, um... so sinister and it shows you like Yeah. Oh, we're it's we're done for. He's coming for us all. And how weak he is too. Yeah. You know? I mean, is that sort of what we call toxic masculinity? This sort how of you say <laughs> <laughs> Robin, what badges do you have? So I have the surprise narrator badge for the doctor because I was so, it was just like a good moment. <laughs> He's like, I am the ghost. <laughs> I love a ghost yeah. narrator. I will tell, I will, yeah, I agree. I love yeah. a surprise ghost narrator. But it was like yeah. tastefully done and you left one little surprise for the end and yeah, it was great. Um, the gold digger badge <laughs> for Jacinto. Literally. Because he was <laughs> literally a gold digger. <laughs> um, oh, this is something that we didn't talk about that I had, is the Doogie Hauser badge for <gasps> Carlos, because he so somehow has all this medical knowledge <laughs> once his friends get hurt, and he's, like, picking pieces of glass out of his friend, and he's wrapping his, a- you know, he's setting his friend's ankle. I think there was a throwaway line where he was like, yeah, the doctor told me that yeah. this is what I do. And I was like, uh, <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> Hearing <Yeah>. and doing. <laughs> Pilar. Ooh, badges? I think I'm going to call this the pitcher's badge one because I loved the pitcher moment. I thought it as a moment of fear and as a test and just it's that kind of ceramic is so Spain. And I don't know. I, I love that. And then also just for the agility of the spear using usage, like like a baseball pitcher, the pitcher badge, like you're going for it. You're facing yeah. fears. Standing up to bullies. I have uh, the first act, third act badge for showing a gun in the first act and then having it go off in the third act. (laughs) We did it. I think that that is just real important for a writer to do. Well, what about the bomb, though? (laughs) Oh, no. Ooh, I gotta take that badge back. (laughs) I wanna give the vocabulary badge, the Spanish vocabulary badge for my favorite Spanish word, fantasmas. Is that right? Wait, say it again. <laughs> fantasmas. Fantasmas. Yes. I, man, when they were talking about that and you could hear it really clearly, I was like, oh my God, I love, I'm in love. It's very, yeah, like gothic and spooky. Yeah. I gothic, yeah. could hear Asento uh, say that word over and over again, just like. Hay <laughs> fantasmas en el correo. You know? And also the shots, shots, shots badge for uh, the broken baby rum, because that's just fucking weird. (laughs) I like that uh, sort of like way old world traditional things. The thing that they always cure is impotence. But I love how he, the doctor said uh, that he was a man of science like two seconds before taking a shot. (laughs) Pilar, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Pillar Pilar, and you can find my short film at Obsessed Mathilde, and that's with a T H I L D E. 
for Mathilde. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pilar. Yeah. Thank you for having wonderful. me. This was great fun. I love talking about my country life. <laughs> Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Yet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and Chris Charpentier as camp director Chris. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Talene Kali. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a suggestion for a movie? Then follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.